where does yesterday's future, which is already here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Oh, welcome, 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 welcome. We are so excited. This is the debut of a brand new series. Yes, our theory is that, hey, everybody says the future's already here. Well, that was yesterday's future. You and I and everybody are going to help make today's future happen. So welcome. Let's see what we're going to talk about today. I have a buzz. I like to start with a buzz quote. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. This is a quote from the recently departed Anthony Bourdain, American celebrity chef, and he was best known for his book, Kitchen Confidential, Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly, and his long-running TV show on CNN, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. He was quite a guy. Here's the quote. I would like to see people more aware of where their food comes from. Hmm, what a thought. So what are we talking about today? Food safety is becoming a huge concern all along, and I'm going to use the phrase, the food chain. Who's in the food chain? We've got hunters and fishers and farmers. We've got processors and preparers and transporters and cooks and sellers. And, of course, those of us who like to eat. Yes, we do. How and where was your food obtained? Was anything added to it? Who touched it before it got to your plate? We have good news. Technology. Uh-huh. The show is called Technology Revolution. Technology can inform and ensure us that the food we're eating is the real deal, and it's safe, and it's okay. We have a debut, as I said, of the series today. We have set the table with four very smart, very savvy experts who are going to help us learn about what's going on with our food. I'm going to have them introduce themselves rather than me telling you who they are. We just want to hear your voices, my esteemed panelists. So first up, Tony Costa, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what company you work for, and what this topic means to you. Just real brief, Tony. Good morning, Bonnie, and thank you for including me in the debut show. This is exciting. And, uh, it is. Happy to share our, uh, our, our story. So I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer for Bumblebee Foods. Uh, everybody probably knows us best for our tuna, uh, shelf-stable tuna products. We are uh, number one or number two in every category in North America. Uh, we Our footprint uh, extends into Canada with Cloverleaf and other large brands. So I'm excited to be here and share our insights into where we think uh, technology and tuna is going to take us. Thank you. And you know what, Tony? I didn't mention that the topic for today's show is lunch special, tuna and blockchain sandwich. That should whet everybody's appetite. Thank you, Tony. A lot more to hear from you. Let's turn to our second panelist, Drew Hingarani at AI Blockchain. Drew, welcome and please introduce yourself briefly. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to the show. Drew Hingarani, CEO of AI Blockchain. We are a five-year-old blockchain company partnered with many different cloud platforms, private permission blockchain with many nodes on the cloud for our participants, and we provide millions of transactions per second. So a pretty fast and easy-to-use platform. Thank you very much. Oh, delighted to have you here. You're my blockchain expert, the real deal. Thank you, Drew. Let's turn around one more stop on the table to Randy Evans. Randy, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Randy Evans. I'm a a senior principal, um, industry executive advisor at SAP. I focus on the grocery, drugstore, and convenience industries. 
Thank you very much. And what's your thought about blockchain and uh, food safety quickly, Randy? What's your relationship to that? Well, uh, the, the, all of the content that comes through the blockchain ends up on the consumer's table and it goes through the grocery store. So that's really a, a key component of, of the blockchain. If you think about how blockchain starts and ends, uh, one of the places where it's really needed most is at the, as at the grocery store. Thank you very much. Good to meet you. Well, you've been on before. Good to have you back. And here's our newcomer today, Paul Larson. Paul, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Bonnie, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm the Senior Principal and Industry Executive Advisor for SAP for our consumer products industry. And what I focus on in my role is helping our customers and, um, and also our consumers do the best they can against the most critical business objectives. And, and this, uh, this topic is near and dear to my heart. I know Tony Costa well. Um, what he's doing with blockchain and, and traceability is unbelievable. And what's so exciting about this, it not only affects the consumer, but it, can affect, it really affects everyone within that whole supply chain uh, to a positive impact. So I know we're going to talk more about that today, but that really is the opportunity, and that's what excites me, and, and just great to, uh, to be a part of this uh, inaugural show. Thank you. You're very kind. I'm so happy the four. I know how busy the four of you are, and this is a great panel to start. If you're just tuning in, you're listening not to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are taking it over and turning it into an exciting new show called Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. This is the debut episode. Our topic is the lunch special today, tuna, fish, and blockchain sandwich. It's a very appetizing topic, actually. We're going to now move along to each of my special panels today has sent me their favorite future-oriented quote. We're going to get a chance to hear how they think, how they relate the quote to the topic today. So let's get started with Tony Costa at Bumblebee Foods. Tony has sent me a quote from the Field of Dreams 1989 movie on fantasy sport movie, it's called, starring Kevin Costner when an Iowa farmer named Ray hears a mysterious voice one night in his cornfield saying, if you build it, he will come. He builds a baseball diamond and the ghost of great baseball players emerge from the crops to play ball. So the quote is, if you build it, they will come. Tony, please relate this quote to our topic today. What's on your mind? Absolutely. And there's a backstory here, Bonnie. Uh, I'm from Iowa. I played baseball in Iowa all the way through college. And so it kind of resonates with me, especially when you start thinking about the topic about building and then will come. Uh, when we talk about food safety and food quality and, and transparency and those kind of things, we continue to hopefully lead our space uh, with providing that level of information to the consumer. So years ago, we've already built a, an online traceability website. Um, and, you know, it was all on the notion that this will be an interesting and important topic to the consumers. And now we've segued that into blockchain, and we continue to feel like if we build out these kind of platforms and capabilities and transparency, the consumer will follow. Thank you very much. Great quote to start us off with. And Drew Hingarani, you're next. And Drew has sent us a very interesting quote from George Orwell, most famous for his book, 1984. And Drew, I learned that the book is officially titled with the spelled out number, 19 spelled out 80-4. It's published as the numerals 1984. It's a dystopian novel. He was an English writer. He published it back in June of 1949. So it's the, what is it, the 50, 60th anniversary right now? I think it's the 
60th anniversary this month. Interesting. Here's the quote. In all the useful arts, the world is either standing still or going backwards. Drew, please tell us how you picked this quote today and what it has to do with our topic. Sure. We're actually working with a client in the food industry that's actually growing the fruits and vegetables from the source. So what we're doing is dealing with the farmers directly. And I found that some of their issues were using blockchain technology, but looking at the cost of using it. And so we didn't want to go backwards with them and have them pay extra costs. So we found a solution for them that was cost effective and virtually free to use for them. And uh, that's why the quote means something to me. I love it. Thank you very much, Drew. Randy Evans, you've picked a quote from Thomas Fuller. I had to look him up. Uh, they don't give his birth date specifically, but they say he was baptized on June 19, 1608, and he lived till 1661. English churchman and historian, uh, he wrote The Worthies of England, published in 1662 after his death. He's one of the first English writers who was able to live by his writing, and they say on Wikipedia, and many patrons who obviously paid for his writing. Here Here's the quote. All things are difficult before they are easy. Randy, tell us a little bit about the quote. So I thought it was uh, uh, interesting to use a quote from a gentleman from back in the 1600s to talk about technology today. Uh, because if you think about um, the, the evolution of, uh, of technology and maybe specifically blockchain, um, it's, it's not an easy process to... Um, to implement and to sustain, um, because and the grocery industry is well known for its um, billions of transactions, but also its in, its reluctance to adopt technology and to accept the changes that are res- a result of those technology implementations. So I thought this one fit very well because one of the things about I think as folks start to utilize. Things like blockchain and, and connected enterprises, they'll, it, it's not easy to start, but once you understand and start to utilize, it starts to get easier. So I thought it was a, a good quote to, to use to describe the kind of the world that we're in today. Everything Very is hard appropriate. Yep, thank you very much. There's a lot of optimism in that quote. It's interesting that it's so applicable today, Randy, and Mr. Fuller wrote it in uh, 1662, something like that. Interesting, decade, centuries later, oh my, wouldn't he be surprised if he knew we were on something called Internet Radio with no wires and we're talking about him? I think he would roll over. Okay, let's leave it there. Thank you, Randy. Paul Larson, you're up next. Paul has sent us a quote from Eric Qualman. Well, I had no idea who he was. He was voted the world's second most likable author behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. He's called the Digital Dale Carnegie and the Tony Robbins of Tech. So I have to thank you, Paul, for introducing me to Eric Qualman. He's the author of The Digital Leader. And if anybody wants to spell the name and look him up, it's E-R-I-K-Q-U-A-L-M-A-N. Here's the quote. Disruption is inevitable. Either others will disrupt you or you can proactively disrupt yourself. What an interesting quote. Paul, tell me how you picked this one. I, I just picked it because it seems like in every conversation that I'm having every day with, with the leaders in, in, this, uh, in this country and in, in this industry, I'm hearing a lot about disruption. And I, you can look at disruption in two different ways. You can look at it as a, a threatening uh, situation or a opportunity, 
And in this situation, I think if you, you know, what, what Eric's trying to say is, you know, embrace it because it, it's all about change. And if you don't manage it, it will manage you. And I think in this situation where the consumer is driving a lot of change and a lot of disruption, but really if you start looking at what companies are doing in this industry, in NCP, they're, they're embracing this and driving a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth, and it, it's benefiting the companies, but it's also really going to end up benefiting the consumer. So I thought it was, it was a good quote just to, to tie in with, uh, with our discussion today. I think so. It makes me think of a quote a panelist recently used from the song called Changes by the recently late David Bowie. It's ch-ch-ch-ch-changes, turn and face the strange. We'll just leave that one on the table. I still like that one a lot. Thank you, Paul. And again, thanks for introducing me to Eric Qualman. I have to learn more about him. Sounds very interesting. Anybody who is called the digital Dale Carnegie and the Tony Robbins of tech is requi- is, is worthy of another look. Let's go around the table and get a little more up close and personal with our panelists. I have two questions for you very briefly. Tony at Bumblebee Foods. We'll start with you. Where are you calling from today? Because our audience is global and they love to know where you are. And number two, let's just have a little fun with what your favorite beverage is. What powers you to do what you do and be who you are? Tony Costa, talk to me. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. So I'm in, I like to say beautiful, sunny San Diego, but we've been, uh, anybody that's familiar with the the, the, um, uh, West Coast knows we go through June gloom. So, uh, Hmm. Kind of overcast, but it's usually, but I'm, it's still San Diego, so we got that going for us. Um, and uh, my favorite beverage, uh, I gotta admit, I probably drink way too many Diet Cokes in a single day. That's for sure. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, in a tall glass with ice, or out of a bottle, or a can? I'm just curious. I think it's just more volume than it is uh, uh, delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Very well put, Mr. Costa. I appreciate that. I've been put in my place. <laughs> Drew Hingarani, where are you today? I know you're traveling everywhere these days, Drew. Hard to catch up with you. And what's your favorite beverage that powers you to go, go, go? Drew? Yeah, I'm in uh, actually sunny, Brook- sunny Brooklyn today. Um, <laughs> beautiful weather, finally. After a lot of rain. Um, and uh, I would say black coffee all day long <laughs> until 4 o'clock. Is there a favorite brand? No, uh, Starbucks, yeah. Okay, what happens after 4 o'clock? You gave me a perfect uh, jumping into another line here. What happens at 4 o'clock? Oh, I switched to red wine, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Do you have a favorite red wine? <laughs> Chianti. Okay, very interesting. Thank you very much. Randy Evans, you know the drill. Where are you and what do you love to drink? Tell us more. I'm uh, sitting in my home office in beautiful Oak Hills, California, which is a little town up in the mountains above San Bernardino. And because we are on the desert side of the mountains, we are immune to the June gloom that the folks in San Diego are experiencing. So it's a beautiful, exactly. sunny day. Okay. What are you drinking? What do you love to drink? Uh, you know, um, last time we talked about the Moscow Mule, so um, yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to switch gears, and, and a little modification is, is my own little concoction with some Tito's vodka and lime juice. Ooh, what do you call that? I don't, I don't have a name for it. It's a well, Moscow we have to name it. The Come Moscow. On. 
We have to name it. We want to call it the the Evans uh, Moscow via Evans or something like that. What would you like sure. to call it? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll let you be creative. Okay, I'm trying. It didn't come out too great, but I'm I'm trying. Thank you, Randy. Paul Larson, well, by now you know, probably you plan what you're going to say. Where are you today? Is it gloomy? Is it sunny? Which coast are you on somewhere in the middle? And what's your favorite beverage, Paul Larson? I am in the city of the makers of Tito's Vodka, Randy. So you may want to come visit me because that's Austin, Texas. Ah. And what do you love to drink, Paul? In Austin, and I'll be heading to California here after we get off this show. But I love to drink a great cup of Nespresso in the morning. And I don't know if you know Nespresso, but they're they're owned by Nestle, and they have a product that you can brew in your home that's second to none. So that's that's what I enjoy in the morning. Look forward to it. Don't drink it all day, but um, it's it's just a great way to start the morning off. Very good. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm now based, uh, I was born in New York, lived the last 32 years on Long Island. I traded the Slowpoke Long Island Expressway, which is called the world's biggest parking lot. For those of you, I think Drew knows very well what I'm talking about. Traded that for the highways and byways of Durham, North Carolina, a year and a half ago. And it amazed me that on an average day on Route 40 or 540, we're doing between 75 and 80 miles an hour and everybody's happy to do that speed. So I had to buy a sturdier sports car to do that. I'm not allowed to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. It's just well known in the industry. Don't need it. So all I'm having is a cool, clear glass of water and it powers me so I can keep talking to my very, very interesting panelists. If you're just tuning in, this is a brand new series called Technology Revolution, The Future of Now Radio. I'm proud to be the creator, producer, and host in collaboration with Jeff Spinard, the CEO at World Talk Radio. You know that as Voice America.com and Ryan Treasure, my partner in crime here, who is the VP of technology and everything at Voice America. And our engineer today is Aaron Keller, who gets us on the air and keeps us there. We're talking about today's lunch special, tuna fish and blockchain sandwich. It sounds delicious to me, but we're also talking about a broader view of food safety. Where is our food coming from? How does it get to us? Who handles it? How secure can we be in the knowledge that what we eat or what we serve to our family? family, our guests, what we pick up and take out, what we eat in a restaurant is safe. I'm not talking about nutrition. I'm not talking about caloric values. I'm not talking about what you're choosing to eat. We're talking about the safety of what you're eating, and it's so important to all of us. My very special guests on this debut, very exciting debut show are Tony Costa at Bumblebee Foods, Drew Hingarani at AI Blockchain, Randy Evans at SAP, and Paul Larson at SAP. I'm looking at the clock. It's 1121 a.m. here on the East Coast. I think we're going to get started with our roundtable format. I'm not even sure we're going to take a break because this is so exciting. So, Tony Costa, you're up first. I asked for my my viewers, my listeners, well, if you can close your eyes, you can see us, actually. Uh, I asked my guests, my panelists, to send me their predictions on this topic. I asked them for headlines and a little bit of meat on the bones, if you will. Well, it's a food topic. I can say that. So, I'm going to read the three headlines that Tony Costa has sent me a little bit about them and then ask Tony to talk to us about what this means. Then I'll do the same for Drew at AI Blockchain, then for Randy Evans, and then for Paul Larson. And then we're going to go around the table and review, comment on, and evaluate each other's headline predictions or trends. So let's get started with you, Tony. Let's get ready. First one you told me is blockchain technology will transform many industries 
but not all. Blockchain is not for everyone. That's provocative, Mr. Costa. Tell me more. <laughs> well, uh, Bonnie, I wanted to start off with a little bit of a contrary statement and to get everybody yeah. kind of thinking about the true application of, of blockchain. So as we've gotten more into this topic and this technology and had the opportunity to meet so many people over the last year or two, it's become apparent that people are really struggling to figure out how to, to apply blockchain. <clears throat> and for us, we've been spoiled because we've got a great uh, use case. But I would tell you, um, it will transform every industry. It will, you know, you've got the financial sector, obviously, driving most of the well-known use cases around, you know, the Bitcoin and uh, all the other financial applications of it. But I think you're starting to see a lot of good inroads with CPG companies, mainly people like ourselves, where mm-hmm. you have a, a use case like tracing fish all the way from Indonesia to the consumer. And I think people can, that resonates on, on, on many different levels. I think mentally they see the idea of catch a fish, process a fish, deliver it and consume it, and build a blockchain. So I think for me that was kind of the idea about uh, starting the show off with maybe a little thought-provocative idea, but eventually I think blockchain will transform everybody. It's just going to take a little bit more time. Very interesting. We like provocative, Tony. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk about disruption and new ideas, and that's why the show is called Technology Revolution, because it doesn't mean it's for everyone, but it's certainly worthy of our conversation. Let's go to your prediction headline number two, food safety, transparency, traceability and sustainability does matter to the consumer. Now what? So you tell me now what, Tony Costa? Exactly. I, you know, all of our research and due diligence we've done is, and there's been a huge shift, I would say, and I think everybody is on board with this, that food safety and all the, the uh, different topics I've listed there are important to the consumer. But I would, I would argue that it's a shifting demographic. Um, the millennials and the younger uh, demographics definitely are, are on board with these new trends. And I think over time, we're just going to see a, a larger shift, especially when you look at healthy eating. The fo- there's a huge focus on sustainability. And at the core, you know, who doesn't want to protect our environment? Mm-hmm. Everybody is looking for sustainable practices when you're, when you're talking about the food industry and finally... Uh, I think people truly want to know what they're eating, where it came from, is it, is it safe, and, you know, how do I know that it's safe? So for us, you know, technologies like blockchain, IoT, all these other things are important in what we're doing um, as a CPG manufacturing company, but I would argue the consumers just want to know it's safe and sustainable. Thank you, Tony. I'm just reflecting on, on my experience as a, as a consumer and somebody who enjoys food. Back in the day, and I'm using that with quotes around it, maybe in italics, uh, advisedly, if you will, the only way we found out that food wasn't safe is when we picked up a newspaper. Yes, a newspaper, kids. The thing that used to be printed on paper that you bought or you had delivered to your sidewalk every morning. We'd pick up a paper and the headline would be, food recall, such and such hot dogs recalled. Did you buy this be- between June and September of 1999. Uh, wasn't that how we got our information about food safety back in the day before social media and before this social awareness, Tony? Am I right? Oh, yeah. This, this the increase of available information and the timeliness. I, I would say the news cycle has obviously driven a lot of this. And, um, you know, a lot. I think what 
what Paul was alluding to, just the disruption. When you see the acceleration of innovation in every industry, it forces us to be disruptive. And if you don't uh, force yourself to be disruptive, then you will be disrupted. So for us, you know, I think it's you're, you're spot on. And I'll, I'll add this one point. You know, it's all about us building trust with our consumers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been leaders in this industry for a long time, and we've had it on our website, and it goes to unbelievable, you know, transparency. We tell you that the captain that catches the, the fish, where we process it, everything. And what's interesting that we've seen, the number of hits on our website has gone up gradually, not exponentially, mm-hmm. because we, we, what we've seen is, People, once they've come once or twice or three times, they have that trust that you are an industry leader, that you are providing this level of transparency, and they feel that uh, there's a bond and a trust between us and the consumer. And, Tony, let me add one more note before we get to prediction headline number three from you. As you're speaking, and you mentioned you know the captain and who, who, who caught the fish and where it went, it's storytelling, Tony. We're in the era of storytelling. People want to hear narratives. They want to be included. They want to be inspired. They want to feel like they're part of something. Oh, where was that captain? And, and what does this fishing boat look like? And when did he catch it? Don't you think that's part of the, almost the, uh, the romance of telling these stories about food origins? Am I, what do you think? Agree? Disagree? Oh, 100%. And I will tell you that especially when we talk about our implementation of how we've provided this to the consumer. They, uh, you, it, it's on the package. There's a QR code, and we always say the QR code tells the story of the fish. It tells you where it originated, who caught it, where we processed it, it's what's the species, how it was caught, and those kind of things. So you're, you're incredibly spot on when you talk about the story because that's what we're doing for the consumer. When you talk about traceability and transparency, they just want to know what that story is to, to, to build that trust. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for saying I was spot on. I'm not always right, but I, I try. I'm trying to observe as I'm listening to you. And your prediction number three, and Drew, get ready. We're ready for you in a moment. Tony, number three is grocery stores, and you put in parentheses, food delivery. will see more innovation in the next three to five years than the previous 30. That's three zero years. Wow. Tony, tell me more. Well, I, I just reflect and think about grocery stores when we were growing up. <clears throat> Other than more sophisticated inventory systems, point-of-sale systems, or even <clears throat> excuse me, the way that uh, uh, digital payments are options today, but what truly is drastically different? There's no doubt that there's uh, you know, incremental enhancements to the size of the stores, the quality of the different breadth and depth of offer, you know, uh, uh, offerings, and, and the fresh options that you have. For us, um, the center of the store, you know, unfortunately we're in it, uh, seems to be dwindling. And it's it's significant because the perimeter is where everybody wants to shop. Fresh, um, ready-to-eat, delis, those kind of things. All the focus has has kind of shifted. So a major shift will happen around what you consume and how you obtain it. Um, Think about, like, the loyalty data and the technology um, and how that will drive the relationship with the grocery store. There's been all these technologies out there. <clears throat> For years, we've been talking about, you know, the digital coupons and, and geofencing mm-hmm. and when you go, you know, but we, have we really leveraged all that? And how do, we, how do we, you know, take that forward? The biggest challenge is how do we incorporate the human element? 
you know, you want to pick your own apples, you want to smell your own strawberries and those kind of things. But there's already these technologies. You've got, you know, Uber Eats and all these different delivery, grocery delivery mechanisms. But consumers want convenience, convenience, and they want immediate gratification. Think about Amazon, how they have, you know, back to Paul's point, disruption. You know, they were a book company. Now they're mm-hmm. a food company. Now they're, a, <clears throat> they're everything under the sun kind of company. But Amazon is all, also has those, those grocery store trials where there's no checkout. You just go in, you pick up what you want, you walk out, and it charges you. The yep. prime delivery, same-day delivery, because I want instant gratification. Anyways, endless options to, you know, you know, to satisfy what I think is going to ultimately drive the consumption of individual preference. Agree. And let me just add a note, Tony, about personalization. I'm here in Durham. There's a beautiful new Harris Teeter that popped up around the time I moved here a year and a half ago. And the first thing you see is the floral department. Then you see this massive fruit and vegetable department. Then you see the bar. There is a wine department, Tony, that my daughter who lives nearby and has been here a couple of years tells me it rivals any liquor store in the area. It is massive. And then you go back into the other departments. So it's social. They have taken, sometimes the line is out the door with people picking up prepared foods for a, a weekend party or for a, a weekend, even a barbecue. You, you can't even get into the store. The line's so long. They've made it into a personalized. But what I want to say was I get a weekly email, your specials. They're for me. They know that I like to buy raspberries and they put them on sale this week. I'm thrilled. I haven't bought them because they're just too expensive. I'm going in for raspberries tomorrow. They know I like a certain kind of milk. They know. So my special email has things that I have bought before. They know what yogurt I want, the Wee O-U-I yogurt, the French yogurt in the glass jars, which are great collectibles, but I have too many of them. So that's the personalization I'm looking for that makes it an experience. Thank you for sparking those ideas in me, Tony. Drew Hingarani is waiting patiently, I'm sure, and Drew wants to tell us his prediction headlines. Number one, blockchain promises consumers reliable food source identification, and you say consumers should be able to track the source of their lettuce in seconds, and I like lettuce on my tuna sandwich. So, Drew, tell us about this, please. Yeah, sure. It actually gets right into what Tony mentioned, Uber Eats and Amazon. So, um, you know, a major problem with supply chains we found is the inability to track and trace goods. And imagine if you're on Uber Eats and you know where the food came from, from the farm that you're actually ordering. And and from what we found in our use cases, we're, we're a partner with Amazon, so that's why I bring them up as well. Mm-hmm. They're now getting into blockchain and supply chain with us because... Some of the customers that we're coming across, or you know, clients that are, we're looking at, are saying, you know, how do we put all this together? So a manufacturer fixes identity to the good with a barcode, but then sometimes loses touch with the good thereafter, and subsequently that good may be recorded in a warehouse system of a distributor, but then that system typically isn't shared with other distributors. So what we want to do is put nodes and give our participants in the supply chain an ecosystem to share data with on the cloud, and we can provide that with our technology, and we're about to launch a a POC that the world will see, where you can see where the food came from and how it's delivered to you. So it's pretty exciting for us, and it's only, you know, to to fruition is, is just great. Very exciting. Let me read a little more from that one. Uh, Drew, you have a couple of comments in here that uh, we like the word provocative on the show today. You see, shippers could see if a truck is full before they schedule a delivery. Grocery stores could verify if a carton of eggs is actually cage-free. And then you say, 
or could they? Can you expand on that a little bit? How reliable is this? And I'm a programmer from way back in the day, you know, keep punching cards and standing on a stool to put a, a, a disc pack into a, a deck that's, that's taller than I was. Yes, I remember those days. But we had a phrase called G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. How reliable is all of this wonderful blockchain tracking, this immutable record of truth, if you will, uh, Drew, if the, the right data doesn't go in along the way? What's your thought on that? Sure. Well, you know, you nailed it right there. Blockchain is the technology of truth. And, mm-hmm. and this blockchain enables farmers to give their data directly to consumers so they can tell consumers that the corn they're eating was grown with a certain herbicide, for example, or or weed prevention system, and and actually tell them that. Or maybe it's not, and it's fully organic, and they can prove it. But using blockchain technology, they give the consumer the data right away in real time. And and for recalls, for for lettuce or eggs or anything, I think this is an amazing technology that we finally have accessibility to both the farmer and the consumer. Thank you. Let's go to your headline number two. This is, I think we've covered this. You say blockchain will help farmers provide consumers with what I call a food data knowledge base. Uh, let's see. All right, talk to me about this. Are farmers aware of this? Do they know that this is an option for them? Do they know that they need to embrace this technology? How do they get into it? Drew, tell me a little more about this headline. Sure. So we're only, for us as a company, um, Scalability is, is a big demand, and we're, right now we're working with one company to talk to farmers in that ecosystem on how they can use our mobile app and, and track the barcode of the track the goods with using barcode scans. Um, for that purpose, it, it's it's great to actually do it now with them. We're hoping a press release gives it to the whole world to see, and we can get in, in touch with more farmers and show them this technology and working for them and, and give it to them to use. So that's the purpose of uh, our next press release. Very important. We'll look for that. And number three from you, Drew, is blockchain will help prevent fraud by tokenizing. And I need you to explain that word. High-end food products, the typical use case is the wine industry with very high-end expensive wines. And those of you in our listening audience who have not yet purchased a $500 bottle of wine, this may not apply to you, but I think you'll find it interesting. Drew, tell us what this means. What is tokenizing and how will this help? Yeah, this is actually my favorite part of 2019. On April 3rd, the SEC announced a no-action letter, and that means that token can be used in a private permission blockchain and be legal to sell. So what we're doing is working with a separate company to actually issue tokens in their ecosystem for the product that they deliver to the consumers. And this way, the consumer not only gets the product, they get a token with the product, like a loyalty reward system, and they can see that this product did not come from say, China, but it actually came from the U.S., and they can get tokens with that, which they can't get from a fraudulent product. What is a token? What does it look like? Is it something I hold in my hand, something I put a badge on a, on a digital bulletin board somewhere, something I talk about at t- cocktail parties? I just bought this really great bottle of wine. I earned 12 tokens. What, what is a token, Drew? Well, it, it, is, it is that. You, you know, you, you bought a bottle of wine, you, you got 100 tokens, and the tokens are the wine token for that product. So... That's what the token is. It's similar to Bitcoin. It's similar to other digital currencies, but it's not a cryptocurrency. It's just a loyalty reward token for that product. Okay. Thank you very much. Randy Evans, you're up next. We're not taking a break. This is too much fun. Randy, prediction number one. This is more about the food industry. The future of food is in store. There's a ton of folks predicting the demise of the store. This could not be farther from the truth. Talk about provocative. Randy Evans, talk to me. 
So I thought I would take a, a, a pull up a, just a hair because blockchain and the conversations we're having about the specifics are, are I mean, not, not to diminish it, but um, you know, there's a lot of grocers out there that, are, that really don't understand what that actually means. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought I would pull up a little bit and kind of talk about the benefits that having this digital supply chain was really, that's, that's, the, that's what we're talking about is adding the digitization of information, right? The blockchain creates a, a, a methodology that allows information to flow freely and, and, um, and I'll say, automatically um, to the end consumer. And, and that's really the, the, the business case. It's being able to digitize the information so that things that we can't do today in store we'll be able to pull off without a lot of effort and without a lot of labor. Uh, that's one of the biggest problems in store level is there's a ton of labor associated with everything that you do. And if there's ways that we can to you know, take the, the information flow and digitize it, then we're able to focus resources at store level on things that are going to add value to the consumer and, and not just the administrative task of receiving products and putting products away and stocking shelves and doing all the things that, that, that grocers do today that maybe will be, be different tomorrow. And the blockchain process and the digitization of the supply chain is what will be a part of that enablement. How do we get there? We get there because we're going to digitize information and then we're going to allow the technologies like blockchain to automatically process things that we really shouldn't be touching from a, from a hands-on perspective, and let's take our resources at store level and focus them on customer service. And that translates into this store that looks different than what it looks like today. It's not aisles and aisles and aisles of groceries, but it's still a store, but it's a, it, it creates capabilities that the store operators will be able to use to focus on customer satisfaction. This sounds exciting. And, Randy, your headline number two, I think, is a, a continuation of this thought. You say, there will be robots. Everybody listen up. We finally got that word into the show. There will be robots selecting your non-perishable goods. Ooh, where? What will they select? And what are we talking about here, Randy? Well, it's again, you go back to step one, you digitize the information. Step two, you now can flow that information and do things with it you've never been able to do before. In the past, when the... When the load shows up, um, I got a receiver, and if it's a supplier like a DSD vendor, a direct store delivery vendor, I got to I got to count the boxes, I got to receive it, I got to check the code dates. I'm doing this manually with a human, and and that stops the process, and it actually kind of puts a break in the in the chain, if you will, because it adds error, it adds complexities, and it adds mm-hmm. labor. With this digitization we're talking about, and including blockchain, we're going to be able to smooth that out and make it happen <clears throat> digitally or automatically, if you will. Subsequently, I'll be able to do some work with robotics that I've never been able to do before, which again leads me to I've got labor <clears throat> that I can now refocus from administrative and manual and non-value-added tasks, like counting orders and receiving product, to customer-focused tasks like working with um, consumers on a meal plan or working with a consumer on a healthful conversation about what products should you, if, you're, if you have a child with type 2 diabetes, what, what, what's the product that fits into that dietary? I'll be able to bring people to my 
to my workforce that are going to provide value to my customer versus someone that's just in the back stocking shelves or receiving trucks. Thank you, Randy. We have one more from you and Paul Larson. We're going to tee you up very soon here, so get ready. Randy's third is there's no such thing as category management. Now, I am not a retailer, obviously, or in the food industry, so I want you to explain that. But what Randy says, it's going to be event management, as in dinner manager. And I think this goes to my comment about walking into my local Harris Teeter, Randy, and seeing people lined up for the prepared, ready-to-go takeout foods for a party or for a holiday weekend. Is that what we're talking about here? When you say the focus on selling single ingredients will go away. So explain to me, please. So, so in that digital world we're, we're creating, um, instead of selling, I'll use, I'll use tuna fish as a great as a, as mm-hmm. a, a tribute to bumblebee. Um, instead of selling a can of tuna fish, I'm going to sell a meal that includes tuna casserole. Mm. But I'm not going to force the customer to find the ingredients. I'm going to provide the ingredients for her. And that comes from this digitization, right? If, in the old world, it was an, a, a, an article-by-article, item-by-item process. I, went to, I, I bought the can of tuna. I bought the mayonnaise. I bought the noodles. I bought the whatever the ingredients were. But in the new world, because I'm going to say, I'm, I want a tuna dinner, um, then I'm going I'm to provide all those ingredients in the offer to the supplier. That's the digitization part of that digitization once I have that consumer digitized and I have the rest of the processes digitized then I can immediately make these offers so and then we work with the grocer will work with Bumblebee hey we're going to do it we're going to work on this dinner we, we need to offer four dinners next week and Bumblebee will participate in a much more powerful way than than simply selling the, the Bumblebee ingredient so I love a, it it's a it's a different way of thinking about it, but it but it it comes from that digitization and and the ability to to understand the consumer at a much more personal level to build things that make sense to her and create an environment where it's much more convenient for her to shop in your store. Thank you, Randy. This is exciting, and it goes to the idea of personalization, which I introduced. I think I was talking to Tony about that a moment ago. Paul Larson, you're up next. Three headlines. First one, there's going to be more change in the consumer products industry in the next five years than in the last 50. Paul, talk to me. Well, you know, it's great to follow three thought leaders like Tony Drew and Randy because it kind of sets me up for my, my predictions. I think you. I think you heard a common theme, which kind of follows, you know, these three predictions. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a quick story before I mm-hmm. get into my first one. So about 30 years ago, when I was in the beverage business, um, dating myself a little bit, but I got my first big promotion, and you know, walking across the um, uh, the parking lot just as I was departing my, uh, my meeting with my my uh, supervisor, and he said, Paul. You know, I may not see you for a while. You're moving across the country, but I just want you to remember one thing. This is a simple business, and keep it simple. And I was in the beverage industry, and that's with one of the you know largest beverage companies there were. And and I I didn't think about that term a lot, um, but throughout the years, I've understood how difficult it is to keep things simple. And Back in those days, uh, you know, business was growing great. North America had good organic volume. So if you were a leading company, you're, you know, just by default, you grew. But today, 
what's happened with this disruption. Uh, it's really complicated the industry. Everything that's changed in the industry, mainly the number of SKUs, the way consumers want them, the different vehicles and ways to get product, it's driving a lot of complexity in this industry. And the industry is going to have to have to really invest to keep up with it. There's a lot of opportunity, but you just can't sit around and and uh, and gain all the benefits that you've gained in in the past. So um, it's exciting times, but as Tony kind of said in his line as well, with change in grocery, with delivery, more change in the next three years than the last thirty. It's a common theme. So. It, if you're out in front of it and if you embrace it, I think blockchain technology is one that's going to drive a lot of different transparencies and, and really feed off uh, and, and promote the entire industry and provide uh, an opportunity for the consumer to have a better experience and for, uh, for, for companies to grow. So that's what I mean when I talk about um, the change in the next five years. Uh, and if, and it, real, there's another way to look at it. If you don't change in the next five years, you're going to be 50 years behind. <clears throat> yep, and you might not be there anymore. Let's look at your prediction yeah. headline number two, Paul Larson. The consumer, and that's you and me and all of our listeners, will drive and influence major disruption in the food industry. Is that through our social media, through our demand for personalization, our love of storytelling, our interest in uh, our growing interest in the safety and the origins of our food? Where does this come from, Paul? Or all it's, of the above? It's really all. It's all the above. Um, so the consumer is more engaged than they ever been. They have the means and the capabilities to, more, to be more educated in everything that they do because of technology. So that provides a major disruption. And again, once more, an opportunity. But the consumer wants product when they want it. They want it to be designed around their moment of opportunity or possibly where they live. They cannot buy large pack sizes, so they need smaller pack sizes to to fit in their lifestyle. They may not have the budget to stock up. So all those different disruptions or all those different ways that the consumer is screaming, help me with the way I'm, I'm living. And that drives disruption, but it, uh, it, it drives different business processes. So in the past, you wanted to simplify business processes, but everything that's happening now in the industry is really complicating business processes. So if you don't automate it, uh, if you don't automate your processes, if you don't have machine learning and artificial intelligence and everything else that, that we've been talking about today, you know, you're, you're really going to fall behind. We don't want that. And now number three, I think we've talked about this with somebody else, but I want your take. You say scale is useful if you're a big organization with a diverse range of brands, but it can get you only so far. That's provocative. Paul, what are we talking about? Well, Randy mentioned category management, which is a term that's been around forever. And if you had a large organization and you owned a category, say the beverage category or the paper products category or with, with Tony, the seafood category, you're able to really you know, run the roost. But today, with, uh, with scale, you no longer really control everything because there's so much of a need to be agile. There's a need to connect directly with that consumer, possibly not going to the traditional um, distribution channels that the consumer has been used to, and these big com- big companies have been have been uh, following for years. So, 
the companies that are able to to move to new technology, like what what Tony again, what Tony's doing with blockchain, he's providing different types of transparency. Where I feel really good that I can scan the QR code and know where this beautiful tuna came from. I can feel comfortable about it. There's a story about it. I'm supporting Jafar, who's the fisherman over in Indonesia, in that whole village all the way. To, so there's there's a lot of, of of feeling there. There's a lot of confidence. It provides opportunity for the retailer, for the manufacturer, uh, to provide a great experience. And there's also margin opportunities there too. So that's really what that what I'm meaning in that headline. Thank you very much. I am blown away by the the savvy, the depth, the interest, and the provocative. Is there a word productivity product provocativeness? Is that the word, Tony? I'm looking for. Is or it provocativity? What do you think? Yes, any one of those works for me. <laughs> Thank you very much. We have a few minutes left on, on all of our Game Changer shows. I wait till this part of the show, 51 after, to ask for predictions, but we're making that the, the, the core of the show. So let me just get a closing word, a parting word. I have 60 seconds for each of you. Tony Costa at Bumblebee Foods. It's just wonderful to have you on the debut, and thank you for everything you've shared with us. Tony, if you had... Uh, 60 seconds of wisdom to the consumer around the world who is going to be eating some kind of food today, unless you're on a hunger strike. I don't advise that. Um, what would you advise them to do in terms of being aware of food safety or just enjoying what they're eating and not having to worry about it because of what we're calling technology revolution and food? Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, there's there's a, several, several items I would talk about. One, I mean... I echo your, your, your thoughts around what a great panel. I've I'm, been I'm taking notes uh, throughout the entire thing. But, um, but uh, um, Paul alluded to this notion about simple to complex. Life was so much simpler, you know, back in the day where we used to ride bikes in the, back mm-hmm. in the woods and go fishing and doing those kind of things. And, and now with the, the, the innovation, the technology uh, has challenged all of us to be more aware, more in tune, and more on the forefront. So for us, uh, you know, our, our, our piece of advice is we stand behind what we say. We are all about sustainable fishing. We are all about protecting our environment. The, the ocean plastics is a huge problem, which we're getting involved with, and we're partnering with SAP on. Those are the things. I think all the other stuff will, will iron itself out because everyone will challenge everybody to continue to disrupt and to evolve. But I think at the end of the day, there's going to be uh, an awareness that, um, you know, our raw materials are becoming too scarce. Wasted food is out of control. And I think collectively we got to use technology to control some of these uh, issues. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm hoping you'll come back and join me later in the summer for an update on this topic. Tony Costa at Bumblebee Foods. Drew Hingarani, CEO, AI Blockchain. 60 seconds. That's all I've got for you, Drew. What would you like to impart to our listeners in terms of food safety and technology? Sure, Bonnie. I I think hopefully I'd like to see consumers using tokens to track food this year in some manner. And that could be food. It could be wine. It could be all types of food and beverages across the verticals, but that would be really wonderful to see happen uh, in 2019. Thank you. I like that. I like that you attached this year to it. It's already June, June 5th, actually. So that's very optimistic. And let's see what we can do to make that happen. Thank you, Drew. Randy Evans at SAP. Randy, what are your parting words for our audience in terms of anything on our topic today? Randy? I'm going to go back to my, my quote, everything is hard before it's easy. 
and 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 I'll say the the date that the retail grocery industry is digitized is x amount of days, months uh, to get there. But it does. It always is some amount of time away from the start date, um, and there's a little bit of hesitancy, but. Um, I would advocate and implore the, the retailers listening to to think about it in terms of today's the day you need to start because it, it's it's here. It's not an option. It's it's on its it's hard to even say that it's on its way because it it has arrived. The need to 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 get to the digital shopper and um, the, the time to do it is now, not tomorrow. Randy, that's why we call this show The Future of Now. And I need to move to Paul Larson. Paul, 60 seconds, that's all I've got. What do you have to say for your closing words, please? It's pretty simple and I think obvious to everyone is is the ecosystem needs to partner. There's, There's the producer, there's the manufacturer, there's the retailer, there's the consumer. But if everyone's not collaborating and partnering... Um, there's a lot of these things that, that aren't going to get better. They're not going to get simpler, um, and they're only going to get more expensive. So I just encourage the total ecosystem to, to be open, to be more open, be more collaborative, uh, to, to make things run better in the future and improve people's lives. Thank you. That's what it's all about. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to my wonderful panelists. You know what? I'm hungry. <laughs> really hungry after talking about so much food. I'm going to have something. Tony, I'm heading to Harris Teeter tomorrow because they give a 5% discount to anybody over a certain age. Only if you spend 100 bucks on your grocery order does it really amount to something. But that $5 will pay for my fresh batch of, of uh, lilies that I like in my kitchen every week. So it all works out well. I want to thank my panelists. You've all been wonderful, great sports, great contributors, very provocative. Can't thank you enough. So thank you to Tony Costa at Bumblebee Foods. Thank you to Drew Hingarani at AI Blockchain. Drew, we'll be in touch. Randy Evans at SAP and Paul Larson at SAP. And again, Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. Jeff Spinard, CEO of World Talk Radio, Voice America. And Ryan Treasure, the VP of everything, including technology at Voice America. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm going to use my longstanding closing here. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Seriously, yes. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Tony Costa, just like Drew Hingarani, just like Randy Evans, just like Paul Larson, just like me. We'll be back here next Wednesday, June 12th, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, with more Technology Revolution, the future of now, talking about how technology is helping to transform the fashion industry, talking about adaptive clothing, How do you get dressed in the morning? It's not so easy for some people. What is the clothing manufacturing industry doing about it? Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Now.